listeners, you're listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Nightmare Junkhead! With Genius McGee and Greg D. I'm Gigi Saul Guerrero from Lucha Gore Productions. <laughs> Gore is love, baby. Weaving in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that believes in the sacred honor of the sock on a door handle rule. My name is Greg D. Um, you got me. I'm Genius McGee. <laughs> and on today's episode, we're reflecting on a decade of delicious decadence as we talk our favorite horror films from the last 10 terrifying years. And if you would like to live deliciously with us, all you need to do is search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your decade hole. And if you're out on social media, you can follow along with our uh, social shenanigans. Uh, we're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And it is indeed on Facebook where we've got a little events tab. And as this episode is going to be released on Friday, January 3rd. Our New Year shenanigans. As they begin anew, uh, the first event you'll actually see here is after a little brief holiday hiatus on January 7th. It's a Tuesday, which means Terror Tuesday is back. Mm. Uh, Alamo Draft House 930, they're going to be screening a Vincent Price classic. Ooh. Come stay with me in the vestiges of House on Haunted Hill. Mm, welcome to the Halloween party. <laughs> William Castle classic. This is one I had a chance to, I had a chance to see it on the big screen, but it sold out before I could see it at Tapcade. So I'm glad to see it up on the big screen, but making the return back to Tuesdays. Uh, thank you, Adrian and Amber. And actually looking forward to the end of the month on Terror Tuesday. Ooh, Yeah. This one, and we can't say the title of the film. No. Because it is a secret screening. But it's a good one. Well, and it's so secret, the fact that it is going to be on a 35 millimeter print. Mm -hmm. So let's give a little shout out to Megan in the booth, who is going to be providing a projection of a film that, I, this is one that, number one, I don't think I've ever seen on the big screen. No. Number two, depending on the print, if it's a pristine print, wonderful. But if, if it's a dirty one, if it's got some better, character, dude. even better. And that's all we'll say. But this is a secret screening, 35 millimeter print that is going to be on January 28th, closing out Terror Tuesday. So again, check out all the stuff at the Alamo Draft House, alamodrafthouse.com. I know also Film Club has a horror adjacent screening. We do. On the 17th, we are showing Old boy, you're getting a little squiddly diddly. Old oh boy, boy. oh, uh, here comes the hammer. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh, hammer time. Uh -oh. Here comes, the here comes the hammer. There uh -oh. we go. Uh oh, uh -oh. it's too legit to quit. Oh, good lord! Wait, too legit, too legit, too legit, legit to, to quit. quit. Now, what you hey, didn't hey. see. <laughs> we're up there. We're, we're flashing the signs. Gang signs and shit. Well, you will not see that at Film Club. In fact, you, <laughs> you will might <laughs> potentially, as you will with a good Korean film. Um, but ultimately, you know, come for the film, stay for the conversation. Yeah. Uh, but then staying in the month of January and looking ahead, we've been freaking out about the last free, the few episodes, and we're going to continue to freak out and panic as starting on January twenty fourth. The it's Panic less, Film Fest. It's less than a month away, official. It's, it's less than three weeks away. It's kind of crazy. And we're going to blink and it will be here. Right. And that's the best thing. I, in fact, I'm blinking a lot as it is to make sure we get there soon enough. Uh, but go to panicfilmfest.com to check out all of the films that are playing, the shorts, the podcast, a plethora of podcasts will be mm -hmm. performing. Obviously, we want to give a few shout outs on those. Yep. So starting on uh, Friday, January 24th, if you're a fan of true crime, and as we mentioned before, if you listen to podcasts, you, that's that's what everyone listens to. Local, local true crime podcast, Generation Y, going to be joining up with the Crime Lines podcast uh, starting at 7 o'clock. And they're, they're actually going to have a third podcast on there as well. Yeah, again, yeah, that is a, that's a lineup. That's a lot of podcasts. In, indeed. Uh, so for you true crime enthusiasts, uh, January 24th, Generation Y Crime Lines. But then the very next day, we kind of have, uh, this is the endurance day for podcasts. Mm -hmm. We've got three performing and maintaining the true crime feel. Uh, just don't drink the Kool-Aid with this next podcast. But if you want a little humor with your true crime, check them out. Welcome back, the Cult Podcast. I like them. They're, they're fantastic. Uh, they're going to be starting at 245. And then at 5 o'clock, one of the things I love about 
just horror fans in general, is there's some really intelligent folks out there that mm-hmm. enjoy horror. And even if you're not intelligent like myself, I will be the first to admit I'm dumb as a brick, but I love shows that examine the all the... all the academic goodness that you can find in horror again whether it's subtle whether it's stuff you need to peel back but all the stuff that horror can represent and there are some shows out there and you know shout out to local podcast the horror pod class that adds that but we're i'm so happy that uh dr rebecca mckendry nightmare university is going to be playing uh she's going to entertain and educate if you will an academic bent on the horror genre and again she has her phd in horror studies Nice. Totally legit. Yeah. And then um, at then 6.30, a combo screening and a podcast, uh, the 10-year anniversary screening of Adam Green's Frozen. That's going to be slick. Uh, indeed. And we are lucky enough to have all three of them, Adam Green, Joe Lynch, Arwen, say it with me, gang, it's, it's the, the Movie, movie Crypt. The Movie Crypt Podcast performing again. I love those guys. They're so smart and intelligent, and Adam Green is just like the nicest guy. It's ridiculous. They're my my Monday rotation. Every Monday, just like clockwork, it's the Movie Crypt. Um, I'm a pa- I'm a member of the Patreon. It's one of the few podcasts I actually support that way, and I, I it's because they're genuine. Like you said, when we had the chance to interact with them, they're just they're us. Yeah. But just really talented, asses <laughs> ultimately, and that's first and foremost fans genuine. Check them out, Movie Crypt. But then the next day on Sunday, m- the Movie Crypt is my Monday podcast. My Friday podcast just so happens to be uh, performing here. Uh, welcome back, Dr. Rebecca McKendry. She's a co-host of my Friday podcast, which is the Shockwaves podcast. And we're not getting all of them. Uh, we're only getting one half. But uh, Rebecca McKendry and Elric Kane are going to be Shockwaves podcast one o'clock on Sunday. Nice. Now, again, you're looking at me like, I don't know. They're huge. They're filmmakers. So they bring that perspective. But they're they're fans, first and foremost. Nice. And that's the thing I think I love with the podcast that I listen to a lot mm-hmm. is the fact that there's just they're earnest people. They just, you know, they love what they talk about and it seeps through. And so I'm really excited to see them perform live, but then save your energy because then later that night at seven 15 nightmare junkhead presents with along with the movie crypts, Joe Lynch hardware NC 17 cut and hardware. And, and we're celebrating all things nineties, uh, celebrating its 30 year anniversary coming out in 1990 which is in and of itself crazy to think about. Yeah. But the fact that we're getting to screen an NC-17 cut. Right. And then we will be talking with Joe Lynch uh, regarding the film and also some of our favorite horror from the 90s. Because, first of all, the hardware, the R-rated cut was insane. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine getting X-rated with it. So this is going to be fun. You're going to see Iggy Pop with his shirt off on that one, I think. But save your energy because the next night, as we're calling it, the... uh, the Panic Fest Hangover Game Show, January 27th on Monday at 7 o'clock. The Game of Games! We are bringing back the Nightmare Junkhead home game version. We're testing your metal and all sorts oh, yeah. of horror knowledge and trivia. Uh, this is where we have certain segments of the show. For example, every now and again we have a segment called What's the Score? Mm-hmm. Where we kick back and listen to some of our favorite scores and soundtracks. It's easy to get back into. But we can't do that in front of a live studio audience. Right. So rather, we have a segment in our game show called Songs in the Key of Death, mm-hmm. where we play some song titles and you have to figure out what movie they're coming from. Oh, yeah. Uh, we do a couple of we have a we have a explain the pop badly, which is basically I boil it down, boil a movie down to its worst essence possible. But then uh, ultimately we'll be testing your nerd knowledge. Yeah. Basically, like we do at our sister podcast, Nerds and Nostalgia, the trailers for the movie that we show. But we're going to have this one for you guys to decide and figure out, see if you can crack our codes. Ultimately, and it's very interactive, and that's the one thing we wanted to make sure to do. So 7 o'clock on January 27th. Prizes. Prize, oh, indeed. Prizes, prizes. for all teams prizes. that participate. But check out, make sure, panicfilmfest.com for the schedule. In fact, another movie that I wanted to shout out here on January 26th, that is a Sunday at 5 o'clock. I mentioned the movie Crypt, the Patreon, that I'm a member of that. And there's a really cool community that uh, once a month, depending on your level of Patreon, they do a movie Crypt live. I think I've told you about it before. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other Patreons is a filmmaker by the name of Patty Murphy. And his film called The Perished is actually premiering at Panic Fest. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I'm just cool. beyond excited. And he's going to be in attendance as well. Nice. So, so I just love Short the, or feature length? It's going to be a feature. Dope. Indeed. Dope, indeed. dope. So, and I believe Joe Lynch is actually introducing the film for him. Perfect. Again, I, the whole film family that involves, even if like 
you know, we're not filmmakers. No. We're film, not even appreciators. That sounds snobby. We're film we just, watchers. Exactly. We're <laughs> but it's nice to see that happen within yeah. the film family and those oh, yeah. connections that are made. I, I'm looking for, we, we mentioned it before, you make memories at Panic Fest. That's for sure. And I'm looking forward to making <laughs> many more, especially this year. But again, check it out, panicfilmfest.com. You can't help but have a good time at Panic Fest. No, you really do. And I believe we're going to be having the uh, co-founders of the Panic Film Fest on the week beforehand as well to kind of give you a preview of everything that's going on. So look forward to that here in the month of January. Mm-hmm. Well, as this is our first episode in the new year, 2020 is finally uh, here. 2020, a new a new decade is amongst us and begins anew. So far, it's off to a good start because like January 1st and 2nd, I didn't do shit. That's not so. too bad. Well, I went out and I saw Little Women. Oh, yeah? I don't know if that hurts my horror cred, but and I won't you lie. Should, you should go and specify the movie. The movie, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What'd you do? I went to go out and see Little Women. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Don't ask, uh, don't where tell. Were you? <laughs> It's, it's nothing that I'm going to get, you know, sub- subpoenaed for by right. any means. No, it's been, definitely been a good year. I heard it's good. It's it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Greta Gerwig is a filmmaker I'll follow along anywhere. And obviously the fact that, you know, she shows up in horror and, I, you know, House of the Devil. Right. Meeting, uh, well, that would be a spoiler. But. Isn't Anna Taylor-Joy in that too? Isn't. Uh... She is not. Ah. She is, I believe, in the upcoming Emma that's which right. had a trailer beforehand as well That's if you want to get right. your chick flick lit on there. Um, but something we did, our last episode of 2019, was our look back at the year of 2019, mm-hmm. which was good and fun. Had a chance to look back at all the stuff that happened. But obviously, as we come into a new decade, one of the things that we wanted to look back at just the last 10 years of horror. You know, what kind of horror films did we get within the last 10 years? And it really sparks an, an interesting journey Oh yeah, that you can go. So what we decided to do... Because well, oh. when we see, like, for example, when we do Coming Soon is the end of the mouth of March Madness, but we notice, especially like in certain years and certain decades, the style of the times, the, definitely where the flavor of horror is going. Because yeah. like, we found out that the 70s were very dour. Very, very dour. And very what the fuck. And it's interesting to think maybe 40 years from now, if hor- what horror fans will look at within the last 10 years yeah. that we examine. What will they say about the teens? Oh, yeah. And like, goddamn, horror was crazy. Or it was horror was all over the place in the teens. And rather than doing a traditional like top 10 of the decade, what we decided to do was to look at each individual year and pull out a favorite from that year individually of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also going to give out a few, uh, I guess, honorable mentions as well, because, there, again... Some of the years was a wealth of riches, dude. Like, like if I did, a, like, a proper top ten of the decade, like, the majority of them would come from two years. years. Yeah. And that's why we wanted to make sure to give each year a little love, because mm-hmm. there's obviously some films out there that we're not going to talk in depth about that is someone's favorite film and... That's the best one from 2010. You are correct, yes, obviously. Exactly. So we're going to start chronologically, and we're going to go 10 years ago back to 2010. Mm-hmm. And man, was my life different than it is right now in 2010. Yes, it was. Holy yes, it was. Smokes. What a difference a decade makes. You are not kidding. However, a lot of stuff that you'll find in horror, you know, you'll see remains, but yeah. also a little bit subtly different. So a few honorable mentions before we get to our favorites. Ooh, I got a dishonorable mention, though. A dishonorable mention? Yeah, I don't normally do dishonorable let's, mentions. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Um, this one came from 2010. It's a movie that I will refuse to see. I know enough about it. It's definitely a very divisive thing amongst the horror community. The Serbian film. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I, that's a film you don't need to see. Right. You don't that's need to see That's a dishonorable mention. That's, that's fair. That's the only one on the list. The only one. Well, it's amazing that... You know, a Serbian film is very much akin to those dare films yeah. back in the day, the Texas Chainsaw Massacres. Even Faces of Death. Something that has a reputation. Yeah. And what's great with 2010 and looking back at it is these are the films now that are celebrating 10 years of horror. And obviously there are a few films spoilers. that we are going to be talking <laughs> yeah. about in the our Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament. It, that's inevitable. Right. But it's really funny is, number one, the amount of remakes that mm. happened in yes. 2010. We had a remake of The Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. We had the remake of Piranha. We had the remake of 
the crazies. Yeah. We had the Let Me In remake. I mean, they were all over 2010. Oh, yeah, 2010 was the year of the remake. It was kind of crazy it's like with that. Platinum Dunes was going in overkill. There, it has its place. It has its place. <laughs> hey, I, you know what? It's one of my favorite films in 2010 is a remake. So, oh no, yeah, no. There's some good remakes in yeah. there. Don't get me wrong. But then we had, um, you know, Adam Green coming out in uh, with Hatchet Two and Frozen. Uh, we had Stakeland, which we did an episode on, mm-hmm. w- uh, Wandering the Wasteland. So there's definitely some good ones out there. We even had John Carpenter kind of returning to form Sorry. with the award. We'll have to wait for there. Sorry. But some some genuine classics in there. But there are two that we're going to talk about in depth. So, Genius, what is your pick from 2010? Um, I had an honorable mention oh. of um, I Saw the Devil. Okay, that is fair. That is a brutal and brutal movie. But for me, for 2010, I'm a sucker for a well-done horror comedy. Um, I think they're the best thing since fucking buttered bread. Um, and this one is one that people say, oh, you can't have horror and comedy work well in America. As people like, like there's Shaun of the Dead. And there's a lot of other stuff. I think this is truly an American comedy horror classic Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Mm, that's a golf clap because that is a genuine classic. Yeah. I will go to bat for that one. Yeah. All day, day, every day. Well, you mentioned it's it's kind of hard to balance horror and comedy. Um, it's finding that that almost like alchemy, alchemy kind of mixture there mm-hmm. because you get too much horror, it deadens the comedy. You get too much comedy, the, the levity hurts the horror. But this one has that nice balance because it's mean- but it's not. It's genuine. It's sweet, but it's gory. It's like it's all about miscommunication. Yes. Taking the tropes that we think of and flipping it on its ass and just having a good time with it. And that's the thing. It's a film that I've I've never heard anyone say they disliked. How can you talk shit on Tucker and Dale? It's so tough to Only talk Only if you shit haven't on. seen it, you know? If you just look at the box art, because the box art is like totally not what it is. Which is appropriate given the nature of the, of the film. movie. Correct, yeah. So at least up front you're getting what the film is and what it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's through the perspective of what happened if the Sawyers were technically not necessarily bad. Right. And just out on vacation or holiday. Oops. <laughs> and it actually contains one of my favorite Texas Chainsaw Massacre homages when he's running out When he's out coming with the bees, the bees and he's got the... T- yeah. Uh, that makes me laugh every single time. Uh, you so, can't go wrong with Alan Tudyk at all. No, 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 no. Um, as well as his partner in crime on there as well, which, yes. you okay there? I was trying to think of his name. Oh, okay. No, you, looked like you were about to implode for a second. No, I was like, okay, I'm drawing a blank, I'm drawing a blank, I'm drawing well, a blank. He actually, he's a... His, Tyler... Tyler... Um, Labine. Yeah. And his cameo in Jay and... Uh, uh, actually, in Zach and Mary make a porno. When he comes in, he hook it, shook it, football! fantastic mm-hmm. but that's again a, a genuinely fun film the one now my pick for 2010 was your honorable mention oh oops sorry <laughs> no that's okay that's okay uh yeah no i saw the devil which is a korean revenge film uh directed by uh kim ji woon is a film that we were lucky enough we always talk about the effects of seeing a film in the theater yeah on the big screen with a crowd a few years ago at Dismember the Alamo, we they programmed, it was an entirety of devil films, uh, whether it was literal Satan or in the title. Right. And I Saw the Devil Popped was up in the middle it was of our, our third heart. film. Mm-hmm. And they were all on 35 as well. To see that on the big screen, to, to hear the audience react. That was my first time. It, was it? Yeah. How was it for you? It was magnificent. It's, I mean, just so brutal so brutal and such a good story just revenge the the cost of revenge and this is one that you could technically say might be horror adjacent absolutely versus well, straight horror you're but, dealing with serial killers yes so it's totally horror and we've usually fallen to the right, the camp right, of, right of allowing right. of allowing that if you will uh but no just to hear then people then walk away from this member saying that was my favorite one i was like wow that's awesome. Yeah. And in a night when we saw The Gate and Demons on 35 millimeter, I saw the devil trumped them. It did. It yeah. did. And it's a, to show you just, I guess, the power of current cinema. Well, not even current. Ten years ago. Ten years ago. But I'm still still holds that punch. It really does. It does not pull its punch. And it's one that I can't necessarily recommend 
per se. It's a tougher view. This is not something you'd want to introduce to someone, a, a newbie, so right. to speak, or a normie. And it's a long movie. It's it's like two and a half hours long. It's a long haul. Yeah. And <laughs> it's worth it. It is. It is. But there's some brutality in there that uh, I did some peripheral viewing and you saw people react. Wince. Yeah. I mean, there was parts where I wince. So I was like, ooh, no, it's, that's rough. Yeah, truly effective. So in 2010, we're saying Tucker and Dale versus Evil and I Saw the Devil. Mm-hmm. Well, the very next year, Genius in 2011, what are you going to be talking? Um, Quick shout out. My honorable mention is a movie nobody ever fucking talks about, but I think it was cool. Dylan Dog Dead of Night. That is with uh, Brandon Routh. Brandon Routh. That's yes. correct. Old Superman. Old new Superman. And is that not also somehow Based tied on a to comic book. Uh, Delamare Delamate Cemetery Man Mm-mm. or it's a... I don't think so okay but it... it's basically he's a private investigator for supernatural creatures okay that's but fair. The supernatural creatures are cool they're good it's it's done well it's a cool little horror movie well there are a number of other uh, real quick shout outs and mm-hmm. honorable mentions that we'll give before we get into yours and again a lot of remakes or in this case a, pre- uh, a prequel but the thing mm-hmm. which I didn't see I did in the theater. Yeah. 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 Remember how you asked if remakes are necessary? That yeah. one was absolutely not necessary. Uh, how about the Fright Night remake? That one was not necessary as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, personal well, opinion. No, that's fair. That's fair. Well, then we even got some um, sequels to some of the old school uh, franchises. In fact, Scream 4 came out that year, which I like Scream Me t- 4. Me too. I think Scream 4 actually, I think, will find its own little resurgence eventually. Um, Final Destination 5. I love the Final Destination movies. There's some good stuff in there. There's truly some good stuff in there. And then also, might as well give a little shout out here to a Cabin in the Woods. Obviously a film that for a lot of people are probably like, why isn't that one your favorite? And, that's you know. 2012. Oh, see, and that's just it, depending on when it was released. Ah, okay, again. That's, that's the difficulty of these things and the internet itself. So, Genius 2011, what do you got? 2011, the, the, my favorite movie of 2011, um, it's a home invasion movie starring some old guard with a new guard. Ooh, um, yes. Your Next was such a fun little movie. Shot Ty West in the head. Um, spoilers. Uh, Barbara Crampton did a great job in mm-hmm. it. Um, and just, it's a good story. And where you think it goes, it just flips it. And you're like, this is a well-written story. I thoroughly enjoyed your next. Well, this is the really the, the combo of Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett. Great little writer-director combo. And like you said, it is a fun film. Mm-hmm. And it's a film that, much like Tucker and Dale versus Evil, takes a twist. Right. And it adds a new little wrinkle and it's mean this one isn't sweet this is mean it is mean but it's also funny yeah and yeah like you wouldn't call your next a horror comedy absolutely not but there are some genuine laughs in there belly laughs and i tell you the laugh that i can't laugh at the first time i saw it i was like did i but i've seen this in the theater and i've seen people laugh but the this oh yeah yeah the running and the oh (laughs) yeah i crack up at the kitchen fight Oh, yeah. The kitchen fight just tickles me every time. She's so good in the film. Yeah. She is ridiculous in that one. No, that's definitely a lot of fun. A lot of mm-hmm. fun. Well, that's a good contrast because my film from 2011 is not fun. In fact, it's a movie that it's tough to even recommend. Um, it's a very polarizing film, uh, but it is definitely a film that is relevant now as it was back then. Uh, Lucky McKee's The Woman. Yeah, that's rough. That is a rough film. That is a rough film. Very rough film. But it's so good. It's ridiculously good. Pollyanna McIntosh is fucking superb in that movie. She was kind of a revelation for me as an actor, as someone that is just, I will seek out whatever she does. Yeah. She's like that kind of an actor, uh, showing up in Tales of Halloween. Uh, Walking Dead. Walking Dead. Uh, She actually just directed her first feature film, I believe, which actually was a a sequel to The Woman, yeah. Uh, but this also features uh, Angela Bettis mm-hmm. from May. In fact, anything that Lucky McKee does is actually very, always usually really interesting. Absolutely. But this whole take on just the idea of toxic masculinity and all the stuff that this guy puts his family through. Yeah. It's rough. It's gnarly. Yeah. And it's all under the confines of the suburbs as well, which I love. It's, it has kind of like a blue velvet mm-hmm. kind of feel to Where it. Everything's supposed to be like nice and next thing you know mm-hmm. down in the basement there's horrible horrendous shit going down goes well with the people under the stairs yeah but definitely a mean little film that again don't really throw it out to a normie but for your you know next level horror fans definitely check it out so 2011 we have your next and the woman mm-hmm. not too bad so going to the next year of 2012 
We've got a few. Uh, let's see here. Your is that your main one? Uh, this is my main one. This yeah. is my okay. Um, there we go. <laughs> and then this is my super honorable mention. Okay, perfect. So a couple that would definitely give some shout outs here. Uh, the American Mary, obviously. Yeah, that's that was my honorable. Saska mention. sisters on that one. We've so got, good. Such a good good movie. American Mary, and that's one that's got like super rewatchability because like it's not quite ten years old, but I've seen it like six, seven, eight times since this came out. And Catherine Isabel is always phenomenal in any movie she's in. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got The Collection. Yes. Which is a sequel to The Collector. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another sequel. We've got Paranormal Activity 4 at this point, Uh which is kind of crazy to think about. Found footage, The Bay movie. The Bay, which I've seen that. Really? Yeah. It's not bad for... You know how I have against found footage sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. But I... Thoroughly enjoyed the Bay. Well, speaking of sequels and a, a, a franchise, I believe you're a fan of. Is it the Underworld? No, you're more Resident Evil. I'm more Resident Evil, but I, I dig Underworld. Well, then also Stitches was cool. Lords of Salem is one that I I challenge you to go out and see for a Rob Zombie film. It's probably my favorite of his mm-hmm. because it's more of his vision outside of the normal vision. So normally I'm not gonna like, oh, I'm gonna go seek out a Rob Zombie film. But I started Lords of Salem and I never finished it. And it's not because I didn't want to. It was an interesting story. But right when shit started getting weird, mm-hmm. I had to go do something else. And I and it's been like two years and I haven't gone back to finish the fucking movie. Haven't finished the spell? No, haven't finished the spell. You should you should seek it out. You should seek it out. I think you'll enjoy it. So any others on your? ABC's of Death. Oh, That was a cool little anthology that came out. Uh, 26, like two minute movies. Mm-hmm. And like. It introduced the world to a lot of very filmmakers. cool filmmakers. Like you would go out and seek out after like, oh, wow, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of filmmakers we were guarding out probably got their start with ABCs of death. Going back, I am a suck Again, I am a sucker for horror comedies. And this <laughs> one. <laughs> we're seeing patterns here. We're seeing patterns. Depending on who you talk to, this came out either in 2011 or 2012. But according to my research, it came out in 2012. We'll allow it. We'll allow it. Cabin in the Woods, a fact that it's a movie that not only criticizes the genre and the fans, but praises the genre and the fans. Um, This is a horror lovers movie. Um, A lot of people, I think, who are like, man, I didn't get that movie, either didn't see the comedy or didn't get the joke. But I think if you can, I mean, if you don't like it, you don't like it. I understand. That's super fair. But I think this is one that subverts the line saying like, look, you're wrong and let me tell you why, but you're also right and let me tell you why. So I think that's why it's the greatest hits of horror. It allows you to have the cake and eat it too. Yeah, it just totally it, is. It, what I like about it though is it does have a nice balance on the <laughs> it's horror. It's funny and clever. Yeah. And the fact that it treats it so clinically on one end. And this mm-hmm. is another film. You definitely have the subversion going on in your films at this point in terms of the whole prestige. Right. It's like, here's what you think. Abracadabra. <laughs> but actually, um, Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins in this killing film. Killing it. Absolutely killing it. And Thor being a dumbass. And also, the, 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 the scene that kills me and the one that if I want to try to convince someone that this film is worth watching is, spoiler alert, when the, I believe it's the Japanese contingent when all the little girls succeed. Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! And he's just yelling at all these little girls and they're like, let's form a circle of happiness! And they're singing and they're singing happy and Rick Jenkins is just going <laughs> fucking off on them. And the fact that technically we are the Lovecraftian demons. We that- are. We demand sacrifices. It is, there is, oh, I, I'm not changing my answer, but I kind of want to go watch that again. Me too. That's the power of a good film like that. Well, I, I'm going completely on the opposite end then. Um, I'm going with a with a genre that has been done to death, pun intended. Um, and I think the reason of that is because of the fact that it's cheap to shoot a zombie film. Mm-hmm. And that's why you get so many zombie films out there. But occasionally, you'll get a zombie film that separated, separates itself from the other films. And you have to do it because you have to have a distinct voice. And what I like about the my film from 2012 is, number one, it was written, directed, produced, and stars Jeremy Gardner. Uh, I'm talking about a film called The Battery. Is don't I don't think I've seen that one. Okay, and yeah, so you can't say I've seen that? Is that? No, that's not the one about the baseball diamond. No, but there are baseball players in it. It's okay. actually, it's basically set on the onset of a zombie apocalypse Mm -hmm. and you've got a a pitcher and a catcher on a baseball team surviving together and just traveling the countryside and it's it's very minimalistic 
it just kind of shows you the the dreariness of what happens with a zombie apocalypse. And I'm not joking when it has a Fast Times and Richmond High gag in the film. And that's what's funny is it's... it's does a zombie come out of a pool? Dun, 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 there's dun. very much a does anyone knock here anymore moment. And it's one of those moments that I when I was watching it the first time, I'm like, wow, that's really awkward. But I'm like, would you do that in a zombie apocalypse? If you had like... And then it then it then it has it's capped off with a laugh though. So then you so it's a very interesting film because the zombies, much like a lot of the good ones, are the peripherals. Okay. Um, but it's one I highly recommending. And also Jeremy Gardner's next film, After Midnight, is playing a Panic Fest. Oh. It's, it's on and it is on my list of films to see. But if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. Um, uh, the Battery by Jeremy Gardner. So from 2012 to 2013, mm-hmm. moving right along here as the decade goes along, uh, we've got some shout outs for 2013. Now, which one is your main one there? This is my main one. Okay, that and is... then these two are my shout outs. Okay, excellent, excellent. So a couple shout outs then. So a couple shout outs. Um, a, a movie that brought back the ghost story is The Conjuring. There are a continued... The Conjuring... Insidious and sinister. sinister. I can't differentiate those three. They all bleed together. I don't know if that makes me a bad horror fan. And the fact that I don't think I've seen any of those. I kind of, I've seen We've those. seen Sinister too. We saw the second. Yeah, at Otumwa. Mm-hmm. I didn't see the original. Really? Yeah. I, The Conjuring, the first Conjuring I saw in the theater, it's the one where cla- the collapse off with Lily, uh, mm-hmm. Lily Tomlin and mm-hmm. professional sad sack, right? Lily Tomlin, Lily Taylor. Um, and so then it has uh, Vera from Marina and uh, Patrick Wilson as the Warrens, which is cool because a lot of movies have tried to do Warren stuff and they focus on the haunting of the story as opposed to the Warrens. Right. This one kind of had to cross between uh, the Warrens and the... So is this the one that has created the Conjuring universe? universe. Okay. Yeah, this is the universe. So that was an honorable... This, But my main honorable mention is a movie with a terrible name, but it's a fantastic little movie. It's called Witching and Bitching. Okay, this is a, it's it's it was on Netflix. It's a movie from Spain. I think the original was like Bruja y Brujada or something like that. But it's about this town, about these this this little group of travelers that stumble upon a town full of witches. And there's like a grand high witch and she's a fucking monstrosity. So like it's a funny it's a funny movie, but it's all about supernatural shenanigans and did you, it's what did you violence see that? Netflix Interesting. of all things. Interesting. And I was like witching and bitching. It's a horrible name. Horrible horrible name. Cause the only thing that, that that's right about that name is there's witches. That's it. There's really oh, I guess there is some bitching. Like some of them go like, We're dying and they're getting bitched at, right? So or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. But it's a terrible name, but it's a great movie. Definitely seek it out. But my number one pick, my favorite movie of two thousand thirteen, I'm a sucker for anthologies. And very rarely can a part two of a movie, especially an anthology, surpass and su- uh, overshadow the first one. But VHS two, even if you just took the last one, the ritual, out and made that its own separate thing, that would still be probably the best thing I saw that year. That movie was insane. There's only I only have one main beef with VHS two, and that's at the end of the alien one with the dog. I oh. did not like that one fucking bit but the rush of the movie was gold uh pov from the zombie point of view was a fun cool ghost story with the eye was great that was also adam wingard i fucking love his shit and then oh yeah the the alien one was cool but i'll tell you what the Hoo-wee. when they walk into the cult and that's gareth, gareth evans evans yes. man he can he can do no wrong in my eyes and timo from yeah. the night comes for us that in and of itself, because it's it goes so insane, just the levels of insanity. And then when you think it can't get any more insano, it, it becomes crazy. Captain Insano. Right. It is ridiculous and it's absurd in the best way. It is a lot of fun. Even yeah. the connective, the uh, the, this, the, the wraparound, yeah. it's not bad. I thoroughly enjoy VHS too. It's the best of the trilogy. So going to my 2013 pick here, this is a film that is very much a, a course corrector, if you will. Uh, we talk about that before with certain franchises where they put out a, a film or a couple of films that ultimately gets backlash. You know, the fans turn against. Well, you, you've seen it with some of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, interesting what your pick is. Well, yeah, and very much so. But what were your thoughts on Seed of Chucky when it came out? Do you remember? I remember Seed of Chucky. I remember not enjoying it as much as I would want to. I think it was just too weird 
Like with the, the I think the doll freaked me out, and the fact that like she gave birth to a real doll. It's it well back in two thousand four. I think they were definitely going for something different. It yeah, was very, very much had become a horror comedy. Oh yeah, um, and I give them credit for that. But it took them at this point. Then nine years later, uh, we get Curse of Chucky. Mm. So I, I know that's why you're like ah. Uh, written directed by Don Mancini, and this is when he truly kind of took control of yeah. the franchise. But it, when I say a course corrector, it goes from campy horror comedy back to its just hardcore horror origins. Nice. And yeah, it works nicely. It kind of works as like a haunted house film. Is that the one with Fiona Dorif? Yes, it is. And she is such a spitting image of her father that there are points where it's just kind of creepy. And uh, you transition to uh, Cult of Chucky, which came out then a few years later, which and if I highly recommend checking these out, especially have you seen these yet? No, it's again one of those like (sighs) just too many horror films out there. But ultimately, I really, really think it does a good job. And and I don't think it necessarily needed to be course corrected. But when you take nine years in between a film, you have time to kind of figure out and gauge what the fans want. But as we see, sometimes that's not necessarily a good thing. Very true. Occasionally, you know, watch out for fan service. But I think ultimately it's because it is the, you know, Don Mancini created everything. It's his baby, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's in good hands. And it truly is between Curse and Colt. I'm anxious to see what they do next. But obviously, and I know with the, the remake and everything. Uh, yeah, I I would like to see where they all both of these universes go. Yeah. So. Yeah, we will see. We will see. So from 2013 to 2014, Genius, what are your picks there? Ooh. Okay, so honorable mentions. Um, s- there's a movie called Stage Fright with Mini Driver and Meatloaf as like side characters. Basically, it's the Phantom of the Opera at band camp. Okay. Um. It plays wonderfully, does it? It's because you got the camp shenanigans, but then you have like, and it's a musical, so everybody's singing and they're and they're dancing and they're trying to put on a big band camp show. Meanwhile, there's someone who might have died 20 years ago, lurking around, causing accidents and shenanigans, killing people. I can dig that. So I can dig that. It's really good. Um, one of the, our first movies we talked about, Starry Eyes. Yes. Um, the Purge Anarchy, which is fucking dope. I love anything to do with The Purge. Um, shout out to Matt Baldy and Media Rewind. Indeed. Um, Wolf Cop came out that year. But sp- staying in Panic Fest and sp- Wolf Cop, my favorite movie. Again, again with the horror comedies. Again with the horror comedies. This one was such a delightful, wonderful New Zealand vampire oh. comedy. What oh. We Do in the Shadows. This movie was funny it was sweet it was there was good gore and it the story the world building everything they brought made so much sense and the fact that it was the flight of the concords made everything so much better there's a lot of care for the characters you feel for them and the journey they take you're invested in it mm-hmm. and the horror elements when they hit are great just whether it's the extreme gore uh, whether it's the the, the slashing just, but or the, the mythology with the vampires. Yeah, but the, the humor though and the heart—it all hit. It's it, it, all of the the ones you're looking at. Your horror comedies have a nice specific balance on everything. And although I would say this one's definitely more, you know, humor related than horror, it's still very much a horror film. Mm-hmm. And what ah, and have you watched the TV show? Yes, it's so good. Better than it's the so better good. than the film. Different. Different. It's it's the same but different. I mean, it's different characters. It's mm-hmm. different, it, but set in that but universe. It's set in that universe. It's it, they have beef with werewolves. Um, the characters from the movie show up in the show. So yeah, it's I. It's a great companion piece. Is it as good as the movie? No, but it's right fucking up there. Right, it works well. Speaking of werewolves, that will tr- uh, transition into not my pick word, here. Not werewolves. Uh, no, a lot of swearing in this one, and this is a film that I really, really have grown to appreciate more over time. Every time I watch it, it just gets a little bit better for me. Uh, Late Phases. Ooh, that werewolf movie. Yes. By Nick DiMacchio. The, yes, uh, the guy does from Stakeland. And, and Mulberry Street. Yes. Yeah. Yes. His I'm a fan of his. His performance in this is so freaking good as he plays an elderly blind vet. Uh, not vet in animals, but vet in war. And he's being put into a retirement community, and there's a werewolf attack. His guide dog is killed, and then he has he knows he has until the next full moon to get his revenge. So it plays kind of like a John Wick-esque revenge film, but it also plays as just a wonderful getting older film. This would pair wonderfully with like Bubba Hotep. 
Yeah. Just in terms of what happens when you get a little bit older. Uh, but uh, there's just so much heart in this film. Uh, this is when Ethan Embry really started kind of getting his little... not the sooner! Not the schooner. <laughs> but this is where he really saw his renaissance. Um, now, this is a film that I genuinely enjoy. You've got the creature design by Robert Kurtzman. And when the gore hits, it hits pretty pretty hard. But there's also just his performance. Um, Lance Reddick. Oh, from the Halloween two mm-hmm. from all of those films is in this film. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun, but it does carry a lot of heart with it. And that's what I like the balance on that. But yeah, if you haven't seen it, 2014's late phases, I'd like Nick DeMarco. I think he's, he's underrated. He makes great movies. He's, he's so good in it too. Yeah. Like he's a hard ass. Like he, he's, he is, he's blind, but you aren't going to mess with him. He's, mm-hmm. he's any, he, he actually has a little Kevin McAllister esque, like trap for the werewolf at some point. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. So let us go ahead and go to the year 2000, 2015. That's when we started the podcast. <laughs> it is. It is. And that's around the year I started probably seeing more horror on a regular basis. Thanks to that. Yeah. Same here. I yeah. mean, I would always watch horror, but now it's like, had let's a, watch more. Had a reason to. Yeah. So do we have a few shout, uh, shout outs, honorable mentions? I do. I do. I do have two shout outs. I have a couple of shout outs and some honorable mentions. Um, shout outs, Turbo Kid. Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong with that. I fucking love that movie to death. Uh, the Lure. That, yeah. yeah. It's a bunch of man-eating mermaids singing Music. and dancing. It's so good. Wonderful. So good. Um, the Vich. Uh, d- What's thou like to live deliciously? <laughs> Krampus. Uh, Final Girls with Malin Ackerman. Uh, Deathgasm came out. But here is, okay, so. My honorable mention, I adore this movie. When I first bought my house, this was the first movie that I saw in my house. And I I made the right and wrong choice because this is all about an evil, creepy basement and shit that can go down in there. And at the time, and I still do, have that evil, creepy basement with all kinds of weird shit going down in there. But We Are Still Here is a wonderful, scary ghost story. And... Just when you think, okay, there's not a lot of gore because if it's a slow burn, mm-hmm. slow burn, and it sets up the scares. But then once the violence, once the gore, once the story all comes together, it hits hard. As soon as uh, Larry Fesden eats that sock, shit goes off the rails quickly, quickly, violently, wonderful buckets of blood. Yeah, this is a Ted Gagan's take on a Fulci film, basically. Yeah. It's his love letter to, you know, House by the Cemetery, things like And it does play. And that's one of those that we just had a chance to watch, and we actually did an early episode mm-hmm. of Nightmare Junkhead for that particular film. And that's one of those moments. Where, and I believe we watched the trailer. You showed me the trailer, I yeah, think. Yeah, I showed the trailer. Dude, let's watch this movie. And the trailer was batshit crazy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, what is this? I, and I remember distinctly, because it was down here when we watched it, and I was just... It felt like a whole new world. Like, oh, this is the kind of these are the kind of movies I'm going to start watching now and be able to talk about. I'll tell you what, I didn't want to walk up your stairs the first time we saw that movie because you got them stairs like that where the shit gets out from under you. No, no. So this was my favorite (laughs) proper horror movie, but my favorite movie out of 2015. I now. I love post-apocalyptic movies, and if you don't think post-apocalyptic movies is is horror, I would refer you to go back to our, to our sec- second episode, second yep. episode or fifth episode. I think we did this yep. for our fifth episode, episode five, two hundred episodes ago. But I still love this movie, and will watch this movie to the day. Mad Max Fury Road is by far my favorite movie of the decade. I was going to say it could be easily be the film of the decade. Yeah. The- it's not mediocre. No, it, there's not nothing mediocre to be said. There's nothing to be said. We, we were we did an episode, but that's what's funny is we had to kind of defend the fact. In fact, we did an entire month of apocalyptic <laughs> films. Movies. So, excuse me, <coughs> apocalypse falls squarely horror into Nightmare Junket and a film. You know, talk about another one that was a long time in the making. Mm. The fact that Sorry George Miller. Oh my goodness. It still affects, and whether it's the black and chrome version, which actually plays really well, I prefer. I honestly prefer the shiny and chrome version than the color, than the color one. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, it's a film that will live on forever, and a film that celebrates practical effects, mm-hmm. celebrates visual storytelling, celebrates the doof warrior. Yes, it just celebrates George Miller mm-hmm. and his ilk. Um, well, my film is one of your honorable mentions, and technically also Fury Road Inter- International, just Australian. Mine comes from New Zealand, and as many uh, New Zealand stick films get their started, 
their starts. Uh, Jason Lee Howden's yep. Deathgasm. Yep. I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, I know. Because uh, this was your birthday movie. Yeah, well, this is a you know, heavy metal horror. Yeah. Uh, this is, I, I love that genre. And I love the fact that Jason Lee Howden is a metalhead. So this wasn't something like a trick or treat where it's kind of, uh, well, this is a studio's version of a metalhead, little uh, Mark Price. Not that Mark Price, you know, in a. Uh, Weinbauer, they weren't his mixtapes. Yeah, Gio, stay away from the mixtape. <laughs> but the fact that this one also has a little bit of heart to it mm-hmm. in the midst of a demon heavy metal apocalypse that happens where you get a math teacher pooping blood out, like just this nasty, gnarly stuff happening. Uh, also, the fact that it looks like the main character looks a lot like our friend Terry. Yeah, he really does. I'm like, oh, it's 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 what's uh, but yeah, and it's, dildo nunchucks. Oh my god, uh, it's it's ridiculous. It's absurd as dildo nunchucks, and it's it's just as splatterpunk as um, Dead Alive, yeah, Dead Alive, anything no. like that. It falls. New in the, Zealand loves some like showers of gore. The, it falls firmly into the the tradition from of uh, that. So going from 2015 to 2016, mm-hmm. what do we got there, genius? Okay, some of my honor. I have two honorable mentions. Uh, the first one is The Void. The Void was such a... Mm. Uh, mm. car- if Carpenter decided to make a Hellraiser movie and do all practical, then that would be it. Because it was a love letter to Carpenter, it was a love letter to Hellraiser, to Cthulhu, to the Astron 6... Well, half of the Astron 6 guys. Did I, say, I said Vestron 6, Astron 6. Oh, my God. But half of them, they put a lot of time and energy into mm-hmm. making an all-practical monster otherworldly movie and they did a damn good job yeah it's that's definitely an honorable mention um another honorable mention which was a lot of fun and mean as fuck don't kill it with Dolph Lundgren Merry Christmas <laughs> kapow when you start off with with a guy possessed by a demon slaughtering a whole bunch of children on Christmas you know you're in for a ride definitely something uh, Christmas with the nerds potential right absolutely there. and then it just but here's the thing after that, it gets funny, it and does. it just gets action-packed, and it's just it, it's it's wonderful. But another one that could be probably in the top of the decade for me, this is a zombie movie that subverted all expectations, um, and it's one of those ones where you can show normies and even the hardcore horror fans would be pressed not to have a tear in their eye with Train to Busan. This movie is... So you feel like you've been running this whole entire movie because it's just so non nonstop action packed. And then when it finally slows down, it's an emotional like, don't you fucking do it. Don't you fucking do it. I was thinking to myself when I first saw this movie, that if they do what I think they're going to do. I'm going to burn this fucking theater down. I mean, like when I saw this movie with you and Mount Baldy, <laughs> yep. I had a, I was like tears not like crazy were drilling on my eyes i looked to you they were coming crazy down I, yours i wasn't even looking at the screen i had my head in my lap basically i looked at mount baldy six and a half feet tall brick shit house right and he's got like tears like cool eyes all watery and shit man are you did you cry i don't fucking cry stop playing everybody cried at that movie that movie uh aloha oi. i was just like oh stop I I felt good because I heard other people sobbing because there was that there were those moments of silence especially at the end. Oh my! Oh, that movie is an emotional gut punch. I mean, you're you're, because your adrenaline's just because those zombies are right on your ass the whole time. And even like the zombie set pieces in the train are set up masterfully. You Mm -hmm. know, to get from one car to another. Why do we? It works within the narrative of the story. It has some so it has some a lot of socioeconomic and um about all race about class about structure about being a good person it, it hits every box you need to make a good zombie film mm-hmm. again there's so many out there what are you adding differently to the genre you know make what? you cry that's what you add differently oh, that oh. is a sad wonder it's not sad because like spoilers everything ends okay but like it's just like I mean, you have to take a breath afterwards because oh, yeah. you're just you're emotionally drained. You are emotionally and physically just drained after that. Movie. I haven't watched it since Panic Fest, really, because it affected me that much. I I was sobbing. I I had trouble talking to people when I was leaving the theater. I it showed, was horrible. I showed my mom this movie, and then afterwards she goes, "God damn you, Jay, for making me cry!" Right, and I'm just like, "I'm sorry," and I'm like, "I'm sorry, dude. I didn't mean to." And then like. Because, yeah, no, it is a proper good movie because the gore is crazy good. The zombie carnage, it's zombie carnage. 
But then you're just like, you're you're in with <sighs> you're you're. Oh yeah, it's rough. It's rough. Well, one that technically probably won't make you cry, a uh, film that took me a little while to get to is The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Woo! That movie was fucking messed up. So you finally got to see I that. I finally saw it. Brian Excellent. Cox killed it. Brian Cox always kills it. He's so good in that. Uh, Andre Overdahl. This is the film that I think kind of plays similar to The Changeling and the fact that it's um, a, it's a ghost story. It's a mystery. There's something, you know, layers to it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But man, when the layers are peeled back and you find out what really is going on, it's a cool twist. Yeah, it is. It really is. And like you said, Brian Cox who is always a welcome addition to any genre film, adds authenticity. Exactly. Acting. Um, but yeah, this is one that I'm glad you finally saw because this is one I know was, and I've seen that for you for quite a bit of time, uh, but it's one that I highly recommend to seek out. It is well worth your time. Uh, the Autopsy of Jane Doe. So from 2016 to 2017, Genius, what do we have? Okay, so honorable mentions. Um, Gerald's Game. Ooh, yes. Just, I, I Every, still wince when I think about that turn, movie. Turn, just, just turn your wrist, your just, wrist. Just, just, oh gosh. Um, and then there's this other one that I don't think anybody saw. And it, it's called Good Manners. It is a Brazilian lesbian werewolf yes. movie. It's a it's one of those dark fairy tales um, set in the real world, but um, basically... This woman is pregnant, and she hires a nanny to help her. And um, in true rom-com form, like uh, the nanny and the woman fall in love, and they help each other. They have like a because she needs help, and the, the woman needs a job, and so they they wind up falling in love. But then weird, she has this appetite for like raw meat, and she keeps eating. And then it then the movie turns into another movie. It turns into a proper werewolf where the uh, she's having to raise this werewolf child, and shenanigans ensue and this is one that you guys screen for film club mm-hmm, correct mm-hmm. so i mean it gives you kind of a variety of the films that you'll be seeing but it's a proper horror movie i mean but it's such a wonderful dark fairy tale but the p- payoff you feel good afterwards you know it doesn't end ev- ev- well at all but at the same time you're like you did what you needed to fucking do. But I suppose if it's like a true fairy tale, those really don't end well yeah, in no. a lot of cases. So, no, this one's good. Good manner. Seek it out. I think it's on Amazon Prime. So you can check it out streaming, but it's definitely worth it. But um, my favorite movie of 2017, I love clowns. I love clowns. And, I, and movies, when kids are in danger... I always find myself like more invested in because I'm rooting for those ragtag kids or want to see some comeuppance or something. Whatever, whatever. You put the two together for a remake. I found this movie fantastic. I go back to it and see it again just to see like the creepy factor, to see the good scares, to see Bill Skarsgård play a great Pennywise, the loser club to fuck them up. So it chapter one. So, so good. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's the highest grossing horror film like ever made. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, it, there's a reason it resonated. Yeah. And there's a reason that people keep going back to it. And what are your thoughts? I mean, we obviously didn't. Yeah, we talked. We talked about two. two. Mm-hmm. You, will, you will go back to the first one more than the second. Oh, correct? absolutely. But I'll do that with the original. Yeah, you know? that makes sense. Um, no, I, I found it, I, the part it, chapter two wasn't bad. It was nowhere near as part one. Part one was lightning in a bottle. Part two was like lightning that kind of spilled over. The bottle's got a couple of cracks. It's still a good bottle. No, absolutely. Go back and check out our episode devoted to that. Uh, well, my pick is one we didn't devote an episode to, and it's one that I highly recommend. Uh, got a sequel just this last year. Uh, this is Christopher Landon's Happy Death Day. That movie was slick. It was probably one of my bigger surprises of that year. I like the mask. Very creepy, genuinely creepy, and the, the, I mean the the simple premise is you take Groundhog Day and, and a make slasher, very much so, yeah. and it's a very simple premise, and I think it's a premise that for the most part could have been just been absolutely butchered, but I think there was genuine love behind it, and also Jessica Roth's performance is so good. The, the, the 
fuck? Why do you keep following me? Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that even like her character, the journey her character takes, yeah. it makes sense. It works. And then you throw in all these slasher tropes. Be a better person. And all these Groundhog Day references. And the only thing you were missing is like a Stephen Tobolowsky for the most part. Or a young Michael Shannon. Right. Who, But of course, that would everyone would just assume he's the killer. But because he's Michael Shannon. Because he is Michael Shannon. But this is a film, like I said, was a big surprise for me. And it's one that I've seen multiple times at this point, And it just gets better every time I see it. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to go for 2017. Happy Death Day. So from 2017 to 2018, genius. This one was crazy hard for me. Well, this, is... this one was crazy hard for me. Um, shout outs to Halloween. Uh, shout outs to um, this wonderful horror movie that I saw, Overlord. I think was overlooked. This is a fantastic little horror movie. It's basically crazed mutant killer Nazi zombies running around fucking with soldiers. Well, we can talk about it now because it's my pick for 2018. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. All right, let me get out of the other two real quick before we talk more. Um, Mandy was probably one of my favorite ones, but for my pick of 2018, Lee Wanell made a wonderful Black Mirror episode. Upgrade is such a good movie when the horror hits the horror of like the violence and of, of the robot apocalypse mm-hmm. type thing Ooh, that violence is top notch do you think uh overlord and upgrade would make an interesting double feature i would love to see that double feature i would love to see that double because the thing i like about the most about overlord is the fact that it kind of takes a from dusk till dawn-esque twist mm-hmm. that you're in this crazy war film and then the horror film hits proper war film very much with proper. Captain crunch and like <laughs> but then with, with the upgrade is you think technically you might be getting an all-out action film and it's not not it's you know again more meditative so i like kind of the contrast in them but they're both mean mm-hmm. and when like i so said when the horror hits on both of both them, of them it's yeah unreal and they were both also severely underlooked absolutely i know we did an episode for upgrade um, I think we both gave Overlord a lot of love and like on a, on a year end. I think we were going to do an episode on Overlord, but then like I think like time, I think it was, that it's like started hitting into March or something. Well, and then I think that was one that you got because I, I went and I saw it a couple times in the theater. And I think you guys, we picked that one up on later, right? Yeah, because I was like, I haven't seen it. And I want to yeah. see it. This is one where I didn't get a chance to see it, it in the theater. And I was like, I want to see it. I want to see it. And then when we saw it, I was like, man, I wish I would have saw that in the theater. I because the war because it just opens up with hell's bells and like the whole like 1940s font and it just opens up with like fucking uh, bombers mm-hmm. and it, I'm just like woo. Well, I think both of these will find a life on Blu-ray on streaming, um, and I think they're kind of the true definition of a current cult classic. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you were a fan of this, you wanted to see it, but yet you missed it, but you were able to catch up on it. So oh, that's, and I'm so glad I did because Overlord is so good pick, dude. Good pick. Well, both again. These last few years, and even looking back, this last decade, there was a lot of great horror mm-hmm. out there. So for anyone that says horror is dead, you're not looking in the right place. I'll tell you what. Uh, Upgrade is streaming on HBO Go, and Overlord is streaming on Amazon Prime. So oh. there's no reason not to, unless you don't have HBO. I can that is true. That. But if you so, but definitely go check them out. Yeah, either one of those is great. And while you're on Shutter, Shutter shout out. I either could probably find the majority of the movies that we've talked about on Absolutely. Shutter, especially Mandy, because that's the exclusive. So shout out to Shutter. Well, then going to the year of 2019 in terms of that's our, easy. Yeah. And go back to our last episode. That'll give you basically our rundown of honorable mentions and what have you. But the film I'm going to talk about is one that I had a chance to check out recently and I didn't get a really chance to talk about it um, on the episode. So go ahead and tell us what is your main pick for 2019? One cut of the motherfucking dead. Palm, this movie I is is magical. It's just a magical movie if you can stay with it you will be so rewarded i the i think the people who hated the movie had must have left 20 minutes in um but it's just full of heart full of love full i know what she's talking about on the horror show but it it's it's so well done if you're a fan of movies yeah i think you will appreciate this just into see what into the craft but what I like with that pick is it's for everyone. Yeah. Uh, my pick, uh, Adam Mortimer's Daniel Isn't Real, definitely isn't for everyone. Uh, this is a film. Lay it is, on me. This is basically built around the the imaginary friend. 
and the shenanigans that can happen with an imaginary friend. Think Drop Dead Fred, mm-hmm. but horror related, basically. Ooh. And what's interesting is the 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 imaginary friend is played by Patrick Schwarzenegger, which is Arnold's son. And he's phenomenal in the film. But a couple things. Number one, Mary Stewart Master, uh, Masterson is in it. Oh, yeah? And it took me a second. I was like, well, is that Mary Stewart Masterson? I was like, oh, my God, it is. Yeah. So 80s icon showing yeah. up in there. But there's a moment, and all joking aside, there's a moment in the film that where the where a couple of the characters are getting ready to have sex, and he asks just for a moment. He asks the lady, he's like, "Is this okay?" And it's just the most brief moment, and it's not a moment that took me out of the film, and it, but it's a film. It's a moment that I was like, "Wow, that was kind of nice to see in a film." It was just this whole consent thing, and uh, again, I don't want to be claiming to be some woke person, but it's a moment in the film in 2019 that I was like, "Ah, that was." It normalized it in a, in a lot of ways, but also not only in that film you get uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's son uh, with a brandishing a sword. We were only missing Riddle of Steel. The pull, yeah, the Polaris. Things like this, but it's a film that is all about dealing with trauma and truly dealing with it, not just throwing it aside in a house. Dealing with it uh, that I think plays really well. So yeah, 2019's Daniel isn't real. <laughs> yeah, definitely want to check out. Definitely want to check out. Is it gory? Uh, no, not there's some very Cronenberg esque. Uh, oh when, yeah, when one personality takes over for the other, ah. which was very cool, kind of a literal transformation that I liked. Um, it's one that stuck with me ultimately. Cool. Yeah, but but and again, it just shows you the breadth of films that are out there from this just this last year to all the way to 2010. Yeah, which leads us to what is coming out in 2020. So many different things. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're going to try to catch out as many as we can. The newer releases. There's some that I'm looking forward to, like really looking forward Underwater. to. Underwater. Underwater's one. Um, Candyman. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, the re- Chris Rock Saw. Interesting remakes coming out. Yeah. But again, here in the new decade. Honestly, the remakes have been killing it. Yeah. The remakes have been killing it. No. Again, give them a reason to exist. Put them in the proper context of when they're being released. And yeah. I think I think Candyman has a chance Especially to be super pressing. supremely powerful. So we're going to definitely try to cover as many of those as we can here in the new year. And obviously some of our cult callbacks and shutter shout outs and everything in between. So until in the next episode, uh, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. <laughs>